we've been talking here at Kingsway for, for oh man, uh, probably over a month now about being on a mission. And what is the mission and what role do we play in this mission? And uh, it's been our task here as um, uh, the pastors and speakers to um, deliver this message clearly and um, in a way that we can really integrate it into our lives. And um, I, again, have that task uh, tonight with you, and I'm so excited um, to do so. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in 2 Timothy uh, tonight, which um, is an incredible book. It's a short book. It's about two pages in our Bibles. So if you do have your Bibles, grab them and go there with me. And um, before we get into it, uh, I'd just like to tell you a bit about it. And so 2 Timothy was, was Paul's second letter to Timothy, um, who was a young Christian fella. And um, many believe that this was, in fact, Paul's last letter before he died, before he died. And um, this, this letter was written with a sense of urgency, and it's a bit heavy, this letter, actually. It's a bit heavy because Paul knew that he was going to shortly um, pass away. He knew that. And so he wrote this letter as a father would to a son, letting him know what um, was ahead of him. And he really charged him and encouraged him on how he should live. And um, shortly after this letter was written, there was a great fire in Rome. It was called the Great Fire. And Rome burned and burned. And the King Nero at the time was a villain. It doesn't take long reading about Nero to figure out what kind of guy he was. And when that fire happened, he got so angry, he blamed it on the Christians and the fact that they were there. And he pulled Paul, he pulled Paul out of his prison cell, threw him in the street, and executed him right in the street. And that's how the Apostle Paul ended his life, on the streets of Rome that were burning. And as we look at this book... Right off the bat, it is a charged book. You know, it's an incredible book, and it, it addresses this mission. It's almost like he's handing off the baton to Timothy and telling him about it, showing him the ropes, letting, letting him know what he's up against in this life and on this journey following Christ. <clears throat> so um, if you would join with me, we're going to look at 1 Timothy 1.1. I'm just going to pray real quick before we do. So, Father God, we thank you, Lord, for this time together, God. I thank you for each um, heart here tonight, Lord. Um, Would you move in our hearts, Lord, and um, we ask that your word would speak to us um, in in the depths of our heart here tonight, God. We thank you for your word and for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. So, right off the bat here, we have chapter 1, verse 1 in Timothy And Paul says right off the bat, he says, This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. He says, I have been sent out to tell others about the life he has promised through faith in Christ Jesus. He addresses the mission that we're also on right away. As Christians, we are called to be sent out to tell others about the life he has promised through faith in Jesus Christ. 
the life that God promised through faith in Jesus Christ. This is the message that we've been entrusted with as his church to spread to the world. This is the good news. The, the good news that when we die here, like every single one of us will, there is another life to come. There is an eternal life to come through faith in Jesus Christ. And that is good news. That is good news. I remember when I was uh, working at Stelco, me and a friend, we were up on a lift 135 feet up in the air, and it was swaying pretty good. And I had a perfect opportunity to ask my friend if he thinks what would happen to him if we died. <laughs> he said, you're cruel, man, to be doing this. And, um, but you know something? When we think about how we spread this message, it's a great way to start because whether we're, wherever we're coming from, one thing that we all have in common is that one day our life here will stop. We all have that in common, and it's a great place to start in thinking, hey, have you thought about what's next, what's to come? It's a great starting point, and it allows us to share this beautiful gospel message that we have. And so um, Paul, he keeps his mission clear right off the bat. He's all about the mission, and once he gets that out of the way, he starts encouraging Timothy. Like I said, Timothy, he was a younger guy. And um, he was living in a crazy city, uh, but he had a wonderful family. He had a wonderful grandmother and a wonderful mother that led him to the Lord, that shared um, what the Bible says, a genuine faith with him that he also developed. And, you know, I was reading this, and it was just interesting to me that they were just real-life people. You know, Timothy's father is not in the picture here, and he did obviously have a dad, but they figured his dad was a Gentile, just didn't have anything to do with the faith. He was just doing his own thing, but it was his mom and his grandmom that led him to the Lord. And he became a strong Christian. He had a good reputation, and he became good friends with Paul. And so Paul took on this role to him, uh, as he referred to, like a spiritual father. He really encouraged him in his faith. And you know what? I've had people like that in my life. I've had a spiritual father, a spiritual brother, you know, and it's somebody just... It's not weird, just encouraging you in your faith. And it's an it's a important thing that we all need to, to have and to give. You know, it's a beautiful thing. And so he writes this letter to him. And um, some of these words you're going to recognize, and um, they're, they're profound and they're timeless. And so he says in 2 Timothy 1, verse 5 here, he says, um, I remember your genuine faith. For you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Or a sound mind, many other translations say, in, in a sound mind. He knew that he had a genuine faith and he knew the Lord. And Timothy came to that place where it was genuine for him. How many here can recall a time where they, they developed a genuine faith in God? They just knew in their heart of hearts there was a God. He's real and all this is true. I remember in my life and it impacted me and it changed me. And Paul encourages them now saying that you have that spark. You have that genuine spark in your life and now you need to fan it into flames. Now you need to do things that are going to fan it and, and then you'll catch on fire. 
There's an old quote that was attributed to John Wesley, a preacher in the streets uh, back in England. And, and they said, you know, what's it like being you or what do you do that, you know, gathers these crowds? And he said, I set myself on fire and people come to watch me burn. And obviously he wasn't literally burning, but that's what he did. He studied God's word. He, he was deep in prayer every day, and he fanned into flames that spark of his genuine faith that started in him. And um, that is something that we all need to do as followers of Christ that have a genuine faith in him. We all need to fan into flames that faith. This is my fanning action here. And (laughs) we all need to fan into flames. And we do that with prayer, with studying God's word, and uh, supplementing it with solid Bible teachers, with solid Bible teachers. I remember my whole life, I have listened to solid Bible teachers over the years, whether it's WDCX or gentlemen like that. And they always supplemented my faith. They were building me up. They were fanning into flames that genuine faith. And notice here, he says that God has not given us a spirit of fear. You know, and that I think goes for all of us because sharing our faith is is usually uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable for us. It's like naturally hard to share our faith. It's naturally hard for us to talk about God with people and our family especially and, and co-workers. It's hard to do that for us. It's something that doesn't come naturally and it's something that we have to work on. And, and ultimately, the reason we don't do that is because it's, it's a fear-based reason. You know, we're worried about the reaction. We're worried about what people might think of us, right? And, and it's a fear-based action. And so, Paul is saying to Timothy, he's like, that's not from God. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. He's given us a, a, a spirit of, of power, of love, and of a sound mind. And that power he's talking about, it's like a courage. It's a courage God gives us, you know, and it says, you know, I'm, I'm willing to face some feedback. I'm, I'm willing to face some, some difficulties and, and, and be able to resolve that. You know, God, he, he's always encouraging us through his Holy Spirit to lead us and to trust him. And um, another thing is, this is the love. He says God's given us a spirit of love. And ultimately, so much of what we do as Christians is based out of love. Love for God and love for one another. And so it's like when, when I'm coming to have this hard conversation, it's because I, I love you. And, and so many times that gets taken um, other ways. But if my, my kids were out in the street and there was a truck coming and I didn't say anything about it, that's not a loving father. A loving father goes berserk and screams until the kids are off the road and they're safe, right? That's, that's the kind of love that we're, we're talking about here. And he says he's given us a spirit of a sound mind, of a sound mind. Those are hard to come by anymore these days, a sound mind. And it actually means something really beautiful, and it's a quietness of the mind. It's a quietness of the mind, and that's what God has, has given us. You know, when we're, when we're not acting fear-based and we're, we're loving him and spending time with us, he gives us that quiet, sound mind. We're at peace because we're walking in obedience to him, really. That's what's, what's going on. We've, we've surrendered our life to him and said, okay, God, let's do things your way. I'm, I'm ready for that. And when we start walking that out and doing that, we get that self, um, 
quietness of, of mind. And it's a beautiful thing. And one thing about us too, we know that the battle that, that we're in and all this has already been determined. We, we know that this, this struggle and everything like we were talking about today uh, with somebody, we know that there's more to come and that God has the victory in all this. So we can rest in that. The Bible says that um, light came into this world and the darkness could not comprehend it. And we know that by the end of all this, that every knee will bow um, in the name of Jesus, those who are in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. In 2 Timothy 1, uh, verse 8, it says this. He says, so never be ashamed to tell others about the Lord and don't be ashamed of me either. Even though I'm in prison for him with the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because this was his plan from before the beginning of time to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. And now he has made all of this plain to us by, appearing, by the appearing of Christ Jesus, our Savior. And I love this. It says, he broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. And God chose me to be a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the good news. And I love this. He said, this is why I'm suffering here in prison, but I am not ashamed of it. For I know the one in whom I trust. And I am sure that he is able to guard what I've entrusted to him until the day of his return. Hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching you learned from me. A pattern shaped by the faith and love that you have in Christ Jesus. Through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, carefully guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you. You know, this book is short, but it is so rich. I thought about this, not, just not even saying anything and just reading this book, because I think it's so rich and, 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 and beneficial. You know, so just a couple things in that, that last portion of scripture. You know, he's talking about all this stuff, about the fear and all this stuff is, when you come to faith and when you try to start sharing the gospel with people, man, it's like some things start to go wrong in your life, you know? There's like some resistance sometimes when, when, when we get into this stuff. And that's that spiritual warfare the Bible talks about. You know, the enemy doesn't want you sharing your faith. The enemy doesn't want to see any, any more people come in this building. The enemy wants to keep everybody just broken, sad, and lonely, and hopeless, right? But we're on a mission to bring the good news that that's not what life's all about. That's not what we've been created for. So you, we come to a knowledge of all this and, and our heart drawing to the Lord. And we're on the verge of so many times coming to know the Lord. And it's like all heck breaks loose, you know. And all of a sudden people you thought were, were friends aren't friends anymore. And it even says further in Timothy, it says, Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. You know, uh, I was talking with somebody this week talking about the pandemic. And we thought... It was an interesting time for Christians, and, um, and it seemed like it charged some Christians up, and we've seen some Christians discharged as well through that. And when persecution hits, it's a great way to determine where you're at in Christ. It really is. And another thing he was saying here, you know, talking about he broke the power of death and illuminated 
the way to life. I think so often we hear these words and they are powerful and, you know, sometimes they wash over us. But the truth is, it's all fun and games until you're staring death in the face. Whether yourself or a dearly loved one, life gets real, real quick. In my own personal life, I've experienced that. I've lost my brother. I've lost my dad. I had a baby girl in the hospital with with meetings with the doctors saying, you know, your little girl might have something we call failure to thrive. And when you sit there and you see these things and you experience these things, these verses come alive. And we remember that Jesus broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life. What a message. What a message for a a hopeless and broken world that, you know what, no matter what we go through, even death, that Jesus broke that power over us and he's got life for us, life for us. And so uh, just like, you know, logically, Paul says, you know, I'm not ashamed of that. I'm not ashamed of that. How could I be ashamed of that message that is so powerful and so beautiful and so hopeful in this life? And there's a key here for us. He says, he says uh, I'm not ashamed because I know the one in whom I trust. I know him. And I would ask you today, do you know him? Do you know him? Do you not know about him? And you know some stories about the Bible and stuff, but do you know him? Do you know him? And, and I pray in my, my, my heart for everybody in this building is that you would, you would know him. And it's as simple as just turning or talking to him and saying, God, I want to know you. And get into his word. Get in a Bible study. And he is just, he is just waiting at that door, just, just knocking, waiting for us. Going to church doesn't necessarily mean you know him. It's when we personally turn. Like, like Zane said this morning, we're excited to have a personal, this morning, earlier, that we're excited to have a personal relationship with him. And I do know him. I can say that I know him. His name is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. I know him in the quiet of my heart. He's the calm in my storm. He's been the true voice in my head full of lies. He's the brightest light in my darkest night. He's a friend closer than a brother. No, no, I know the one in whom I trust. And I'm not ashamed. You know, I'm not ashamed. People think I'm crazy for leaving my job and working here full time. People think I'm crazy for talking about Jesus. But I'm not ashamed because this, this is the good news. This is his gospel message. And he says here as well, he says, hold on to the pattern of that wholesome teaching you learned from me. It's so important for us as Christians in the days that we're living to hold on to the wholesome pattern of the teaching um, that we've received. And you know, I think back about my life and all the ups and downs and everywhere I've been. And I think what has been the most transforming thing that's happened to me. And by far, it's God's word. It's God's word that has transformed me day in and day out and done a work in my life. Obviously, his presence and that relationship um, comes along with that and works with that. But that is the most, and so we hold on to that. You know, these Bible studies are, are gold. They're golden, you know. I would encourage everybody to get in either yourself, your spouse, a friend, this group. Uh, you know, I had the opportunity to speak to 25 young adults last night, and I said, this is the best investment of your time that you will ever make. And it's the same for us older adults, mid-adults. Whatever we are, <laughs> it's the same for everyone. Amen? Amen. Um, 
Secondly, we, we change gears a little bit here, and he talks, he, he starts talking more uh, in depth of what to expect. What can we expect now that we've gotten this straight? And, um, you know, he's talking a bit about being battle-hardened, you know, and, and Paul was somebody, he was in the battle for a long time. He's been stoned, he's been whipped, he's been beaten, he's been thrown in prison, and I'm sure he walked with a limp, I'm sure he had scars, he, he was probably, looks like he's been to war and back, in many ways he did. And he commends um, Timothy here, he says, or he invites him really, in um, chapter 2 verse 3, he says, Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for they cannot please the officer who enlisted him. It's always been interesting to me that he talks about being a soldier. Being a soldier. Why a soldier? Why a soldier? You know, um, a, a soldier is, is wholly committed is wholly committed. A soldier does it on purpose. He knows what he's getting into. He enlists on purpose. It requires concentration and direction and resolve. He knows what he's getting into. And he says, join me in that. Join me in this battle. Join me in this fight. And it's funny, usually when we're talking about a soldier, you're also talking about war. Are we at war? Are we at war? There's been a war on truth since the Garden of Eden. And we see a war on truth raging all around us. In our schools, in government, in media, it's a war on truth. But we might not be at war with who you think. And we see in Ephesians 6 verse 12, I think we'll have it up on the screen if if you don't... uh, want to turn there and it says for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities against powers against the rulers of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places therefore take up the whole armor of god that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Stand, therefore. I love that. Stand, therefore. Having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Being watchful to this end in all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. What a picture. What a picture. Every piece of that armor, belt of truth. Breastplate, excuse me, breastplate of righteousness, <clears throat> the shoes of the gospel of peace, peace the, the, the shield of faith, quenching all the fiery darts of the evil one. That's truth stuff. That's a war on lies and truth. 
and we put on our belt. That belt holds us together. We wear that belt every day. We, we wear that belt of truth. If we didn't have that belt of truth, we'd be falling apart out there on the battlefield. And, and all these, these armaments that, that is the armor of God is to equip us to stand, therefore, in this world of, that is at war being fought with truth and lies. Truth and lies. <clears throat> and we, we're equipped with a weapon with this awesome weapon called the sword of the spirit. It looks like this. It looks like this. And the more we hold this book close to us, the more we study God's word, the more we can wield that weapon. And the more things that come at us, we can say, no, this is what's true. No, this is what's true. In my mind, no, this is what's true. This is what God said. God is truth and his word is true. It's inerrant. There's no error and it's complete and it is the word of God, it's our sword of the spirit. And it seems like lies are intensifying today, lately, in the last couple of years. It seems like lies are intensifying, and I believe they will continue to intensify until that day when everything will be revealed. And so it's vital for us to take up our armor, to stand firm, and to have our sword of truth ready to wield in this crooked and perverse generation. <clears throat> he says something really interesting. He says that um, soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life. I always thought that was interesting. Like, what's that mean, not get tied up in the affairs of, of, of civilian life? And... Um, you know, the message is that this mission, it supersedes our daily life. This mission is the most important thing. You don't see a soldier who's in the middle of battle head out somewhere and get a job and, and just live his life. If his captain found him, he'd say, what are you doing? We're at war still. You can't just go and, and forget about all this. And for us, we need to understand that this mission, this truth of God's word, it supersedes our daily life. And for us, that looks like wherever we are, in our jobs, with our neighbors, with our families, we know that that's who we really are. This is our identity, that we are a soldier of Christ. And knowing that, when we keep that mission at our forefront, we're able to talk about it, to share with it. We, we live more ready. It's just how we're supposed to live. We're supposed to keep that mission at the main front of everything we do. And Paul was an interesting guy. He, he actually worked as well. He was a tent maker. He built tents. And um, there is an old Hebrew saying that says, um, he that teaches not his son a trade teaches him to be a thief. And that essentially means that we've got to work. We've all got to work, you know. And we're all husbands, wives, fathers, mothers, friends, co-workers, neighbors, we're all out in the world. And we're salt wherever we're put. We're meant to be where we are. We're meant to be there. And it's important for us, no matter where we are, to keep this mission at the forefront and to keep our message at the forefront as well. <clears throat> Second Timothy 2.19, it says, But God's truth stands firm like a foundation stone with this inscription. The Lord knows those who are his, and all who belong to the Lord must turn away from evil. 
In a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver, and some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions, and the cheap ones for everyday use. Here's a key here. It says, if you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life, <clears throat> excuse me, your life will be clean, and you will be ready for the master to use you in every good work. He says, run away from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. You know, I love that. And, you know, as we fight this battle, we're going to have ups and downs. We're going to have hard times. And, and I love this. He says that God's truth is the firm foundation. That's what we can always rely on. We can stand on it. And it says that the Lord knows those who are his. The Lord knows us. He knows who are his when we're out there fighting the battle. He's got our eyes on us. He, he knows us. And it says also, it says, all who belong to the Lord must turn away from evil. Must turn away from evil. You know, anymore, there's like becoming a much more clear line between good and evil in the world. Between good and evil. It's like the same old story. And the lines are being painted so, so clearly. And it's like God's word is painting the line. It's like the light of his word that illuminates the way and says, walk ye in it. And so for us, as, as individuals, we need to look at what's going on. We're going to determine how we're going to live. How are we going to live in, this, in, this, in these days? You know. And he says, those who belong to the Lord must turn away from evil. And I love how it says, it says, if you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean and you will be ready for the master to use you in every good work. It's so important for us to live a, a, a pure and a holy life. Of course, we're going to make mistakes and mess up. But again, to keep that at the forefront of who we are and who we want to be, of who we want to be. <clears throat> he goes on to say in, in, in chapter 3, and tell me if this sounds familiar to you. He's warning him about what's to come. He says, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times for people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. You know, it's like reading the news going through that stuff. You know, we're living in those last days that Paul is writing to Timothy about. We're seeing a decline in society that feels like has never happened before. The Bible also says in Matthew that the love of many will grow cold in the last days. And the more we see on the news and the more we see what's going on around us, we can see that we're in the last days by these, by these words, what people are going to be like, you know, and, and he's saying, he's saying it's not going to be easy. 
He's saying it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. And that's why he's charging him to be that good soldier of Christ, to endure suffering with him, to, to be focused, to be, to be doing this on purpose, intentionally, right? I'm just going to wrap up here with this final encouragement that Paul gives him. It's in 2 Timothy 3.10. And he knows that this is going to be the last time he probably hears from him. And um, it's just a beautiful thing here. I'm going to read through it. It says, But you, Timothy, you certainly know what I teach and how I live and what my purpose is in this life. You know my faith, my patience, my love, and my endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I have endured. You know about all how I was persecuted in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, but the Lord rescued me from all of it. Yes, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, but evil people and imposters will flourish. They will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. I love this. It says, you have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have, been given, they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. And we all know this, that all Scripture is inspired by God and useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to pre- prepare and equip his people to do every good work. He says, I solemnly urge you in the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom. He says, preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. And this is, this is incredible stuff. He says, for the time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. Ain't that the truth? <clears throat> they will follow their own desires and they will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. If you're watching closely different churches in North America and around the world, this is right on the money with what's been going on in many churches. They will reject the truth and change after, chase after myths. This is what he says. He says, but you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and faithfully carrying out the ministry God has given you. You know, I just want to stop for a second and say, you know, to, I love how he says, work at telling others the good news. I remember when I first started sharing my faith with people and how hard it was. You know, it was like, I remember saying, uh, what are you doing this weekend? And they're like, I don't know. What are you doing? And I remember saying, I'm going to church. You know, and I was like, okay, I did it. I said it. I'm going to church. And that's how I started. And they're like, oh, great. That's awesome. Have a good time. I was like, I got this. I got this. We're, we're getting it. You know, it started like that. 
and I worked at it and worked at it. And I know we all can work at that and work at that to the point where it's just like anything goes anymore. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm airing everything out there to dry anymore. You know, I'm not too worried anymore what people think of me or have to say about it, you know, and I, I try to be loving and respectful, of course. And, but you know, we, when we work at that, it just becomes second nature. It becomes second nature, and it's, it's so important. We need, to, we need to be like that, right? And just finally, he says, <clears throat> As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all. Everybody say all. All who eagerly look forward to his appearing. All, to eagerly, all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. There's an old song that just came to my mind when I was reading through this scripture, and it's called, uh, When the Roll is Called Up Yonder. Does anybody know that song? That is a great old song. That's the one. That's the one. And I can hear my grandmother singing it. But uh, it goes like this. It says, When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be, you know, I'm not going to sing it, will be no more. And the morning breaks eternal, bright, and fair when the saved diverse shall gather over the other shore and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. Let us lay before the master from dawn till setting sun. Let us talk of all his wondrous love and care. Then when all of life is over and our work on earth is done and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. I'll be there. Will we? Will, will you? Something to think about for all of us, right? Are we going to be there? Maybe you're here today and you're not sure where you fit in all this. You think, I don't know if I'm a soldier, if I want to be, or where I'm at with any of this. But the good news is that this good news that he's talking about is for each of us here today. And the Bible says that it's a point, appointed man wants to die and then the judgment. In this life, we choose what we put our faith in. There's going to be something that we choose what we put our faith in. It's going to be atheist scientists and, and government. It's going to be our whole anything goes progressive society. Or it's going to be in the author of life, Jesus Christ, the lamb who was slain for the sin of the world. We choose who we choose to command our thoughts and path in life has the utmost importance. Um, I love just again how it said God's truth stands firm like a foundation stone with this inscription. The Lord knows who are his and all who belong to the Lord must turn away from evil. This is our time in history to say with our lives, I am the Lord's. I am the Lord's and turn away from evil and live God's truth until that trumpet sounds. You know, you hear a lot anymore about being on the wrong side of history. You know, with all the different issues that are being um, addressed anymore. And, you know, while I agree with, with what's, what they're saying, you know, what's the most important is that we find ourselves on the right side of eternity. And that battle is, is of priceless importance. 
Let's pray. Let's pray. Lord, you know, through your Holy Spirit, you wrote that um, Paul, he didn't preach in fancy words, but it was with your power, God. And I presented the truth to the best of my ability today, God. And I ask that in my weakness that you would show yourself strong and move among those here today. Would you open up our hearts and breathe life into us? And would you use us to spread your message of life and love to this world and our families and our workplaces? Help us to live out your truth in the inmost part of us. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, God bless you guys. It's always a joy to be here. Um, Don't feel like you have to rush off. Uh, Feel free to uh, hang and chat for a bit. And... um, If you'd like to get together, if you'd like to chat, I know um, myself or Mark would be more than happy to do that. All you got to do is let us know and we'd be happy to meet with you. We'd be happy to hook you up with a group uh, if you'd like to do that as well. So um, my heart's been of the men lately too. Men, we need to, uh, all these groups up here were ladies it seems like, and then a co-ed. So mostly ladies and then one where you get dragged along. But you know, us men, we really need to, uh, it's been on my heart, we really need to um, get together, you know, and we do have a couple men's groups as well, so if you're interested in that, please uh, talk to me. Uh, God bless you guys.